Welcome to the Truth For Today podcast with your host, Joseph Franta, international minister, speaker, and Bible school instructor. Stay tuned for today's episode. Welcome. My name is Joe Franta, Joseph Franta Ministries, and uh, we're doing a series on the dynamics of prayer, very important subject in the Bible. It can change your life, and it can change the lives of anybody you know. We're talking about the importance of prayer, the power of prayer, the communion of prayer, the equipping of prayer, and we're talking about the accomplishment of prayer. And uh, I don't know how long this series is going to go, but there's a lot in this series. And uh, actually, it goes from Genesis to Revelation, but, you know, I'm not going to go through everything. But I want you to know how important it is for you as a believer to pray. And, you know, the devil will try to hold you back in this area uh, because he knows that uh, prayer releases power, and it is a tremendous threat to him, his kingdom, and uh, all of his wicked works. So let's get into the importance of prayer once again, and I want you to turn to Matthew 26 and verse 37, and we're going to look at a passage uh, of Jesus praying uh, right before he went to the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane, and it's going to give us a lot of a wonderful understanding, insight into the power of prayer and the importance of prayer. So in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 36, then cometh Jesus with them to a place called Gethsemane. This was uh, a very difficult time for Jesus. And saith unto the disciples, he said to the disciples, sit ye here while I go and pray yonder, or pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Oh, it was a heavy time. He was going to the cross. And he was preparing himself for the cross. And he was preparing, you know, his mind, his will, his emotions, to get in line with the will of God for his life. Verse 38, Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Wow, this is a tremendously difficult time for Christ. Wait here, or tarry here, and watch with me, and, or pray with me. And he went a little farther and fell on his face. Here's God, the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, falling on his face in prayer. That should help us to do the same. And he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Remember, he was the Son of God and the Son of Man. He was the Word that became flesh and dwelt among us. So he had flesh and he he overcame it, thank God, through prayer. And then it says, 
verse 40, and he cometh unto the disciples and, find, and found them sleeping. I think this is extremely insightful. That at a time, you know, this was Christ's most difficult time, preparing himself for the cross and his sufferings. And here were the disciples sleeping. It's really a message to the church. We're living in a difficult time today and Christ is going to return during this age or at the end of this age And we ought to be alert and sober. And we ought to be people of prayer. Verse 40, I'm going to back up a little bit. And he cometh to the disciples and, find, and finds them asleep and said to Peter, What, could you not watch with me one hour? All he was asking is that they would pray with him for one hour. That would be a good prayer time each day, a one-hour prayer time. Maybe you don't have that kind of time, but then maybe shorten it to 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. If you can lengthen it out to an hour, I'll tell you, you'll, it'll, it'll change your life forever. Any kind of prayer will change your life forever. Then he says in verse 41, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation, for the Spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. So, you know, we're all human beings. We do have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit as Christians, as born-again believers. We're a temple of God, and the Spirit of God lives in us. So we have the indwelling of the Spirit. But on the other hand, we also have the flesh to deal with. And so Christ is telling them how to overcome the flesh. He said, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. For the spirit indeed is willing. I mean, you want to do the right thing. You want to obey God, but the flesh is weak. And so the answer or the remedy for, for weak flesh is prayer. You know, there may be areas in your life where you know, you're having a real struggle and you've had it for maybe years and couldn't overcome certain things in your life. I'm telling you, I'm giving you the key right now. Prayer will enable you to overcome your flesh in every area of your life. Praying in the spirit, praying with the understanding. Verse 42, he went away again a second time and prayed saying, oh my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. Here was the Son of God having to get his will in line with the will of God. And if Jesus had to pray to get his flesh and mind and heart in line with the will of God, that should tell us something that we need to do it too. He went away again the second time and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. 
And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. Remember, he was very heavy when he went into this time in prayer, Christ was. So, you know, the powers of darkness were very active. But he was praying through, even though it was so spiritually heavy. Verse 44, and he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Oh, my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. He's praying to get his will in line with the will of God. And if you're going to walk in the will of God in this hour, you're going to have to pray not only to get your will in line with the will of God, but to keep your will in line with the will of God. And by the way, the will of God is glorious. It's very, very wonderful life. Jesus said, I came that you might have life abundantly to the full till it overflows. Then he says here, verse 45, Then cometh he to his disciples and saith unto them, Sleep on now, and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Of course, Jesus was the prophet. He knew what was about to transpire. He said, Rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at the door that betrays me. And of course, we know the story. Judas betrayed him and led the soldiers with the high priests to where Jesus was. And that began Christ's suffering and death. This being lashed with 39 lashes at the whipping post, so to speak. Crowned with thorns. Led away to Calvary and crucified with nails in his hands, in his feet. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Now I want to go in Mark chapter 1 and I want to show you a little bit about the prayer life of Jesus. It's so powerful and we can learn a lot from our Lord, from his example. Because he lived a life of prayer as did Paul and the other 12 apostles and many, many other Christians. In Mark 1, verse 35, and in the morning, this is talking about Christ, and in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. And Simon and they that were with him followed after him. And when they had found him, they said unto him, All men seek for thee. And he said unto them, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also, for therefore was I sent. Verse 39, And he preached in their synagogues throughout all Galilee, and cast out devils, or demons, actually the proper word is in the Greek, and there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, Lord, 
if thou art willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him and said unto him, I am willing, be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him and he was cleansed or healed. And he straightway charged him and to forthwith sent him away and said unto him, see that you don't say anything to any man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest and offer for the for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. Jesus was walking in miracles, signs and wonders. But I think it's important to note that every morning he got up before dawn and he prayed. He prayed for the mind of God, I'm sure, the will of God, the direction of the Holy Spirit. And also, I'm sure he prayed for the power of God to flow through him. And you can see a when he came out of that prayer time, he was equipped to minister to different ones that had severe problems. And he was able to deliver people from demonic influence, and he also was able to heal people that had incurable diseases like leprosy. So prayer produces power, and it is extremely important if you want to be used of God in this hour and you want to be in the ministry in this hour that you understand how to walk in the life and the power of God. So I want to give you another verse, and this is in Luke 5, verse 16. And there's so many of these, I'm just choosing some of them. In Luke 5, verse 16, it's another verse about Christ and his prayer life. There was all sorts of things happening. I maybe should read the context. Verse 15, but so much the more went there a fame abroad of him. In other words, a, a, a fame spread abroad about Jesus. And great multitudes came together to hear him and to be healed by him of their infirmities. I like how this is uh, presented. Multitudes of people came from all over the region to hear him. Well, what were they listening to? They were listening to the gospel being preached by Christ himself. They were listening to the word of God that was coming out of the mouth of the Son of God, the living word. And it says, great multitudes came together to hear and be healed by him of their infirmities. So if you want healing from the Lord, it's important that you get into his word and hear his word because his word produces healing. The Bible says, is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there in the book of Jeremiah? 
And it says in Psalm 107, verse 20, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. There's healing, anointing, and power in the word of God. One of my uh, instructors that I really loved in Bible school always said, the anointing is on the word, so stick with the word because the anointing is on the word. Of course it is, it's the word of God. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. He himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, on the cross, that we being dead to sin should live to righteousness for by his stripes or wounds we were healed. And John prayed, Beloved, I pray above all things that you may be, that you may prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. It's important to hear the word of God. It says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And it says in Romans 12, 3, that he's given to every believer the measure of faith. And that measure of faith, and I, I don't have time to get into it, but it is the God kind of faith. When Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty two, have the faith of God in the Greek, it can be translated, have the God kind of faith. Paul talked about it too. Therefore, having the same spirit of faith as it is written, I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore also we speak. So we have the same spirit of faith. The Bible says, by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, lest any man should boast. So God's given every believer the gift of faith. And grace and faith work together. Oh, it's a glorious salvation. The Bible says, so great a salvation. Verse 16 of Luke 5, and he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. There it is again. Withdrew himself into a solitary place, secluded place, you know, quiet place. And what did he do? He prayed. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7. Paul talks about the prayer life of Christ here. Of course, it's all throughout the, the Bible. Talking about the New Testament. I'm not even hardly getting into the Old Testament. All the, you know, Samuel, the prophet said, may I not sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. 1 Samuel, or I think 1 Samuel 12. Yeah. May I not sin against the Lord, he was telling Israel, by failing or ceasing to pray for you. Sometimes we fail the Lord by ceasing to pray for others in their time of need. It's not condemnation, it's just revelation. We need to be on the alert. Stand firm in the faith. 
and be strong. In Hebrews 5, 7, it says, talking about Christ, well, let's start in verse 5, let's back up here to verse 5, Hebrews 5, 5. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten you. Psalm 2. Verse 6, as he saith also in another place, thou art a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek, and I won't go into that, but he was an Old Testament uh, character, personage who was a very anointed man of God. And he saith also unto, in another place, thou art a priest forever. So Jesus holds his priesthood forever. That's good news. Verse 7, who in the days of his flesh, this is how Jesus dealt with it, his flesh. It says he was tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. He was the innocent, undefiled, blameless, perfect Lamb of God, spotless Lamb of God. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications, with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, and he was heard in that he feared. And though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. I tell you, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, says, hold fast. Therefore, hold fast to your confession that God is. Without faith, it is impossible to, to believe God. For those who come to him, those who come to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He says so many times in the Old Testament, seek me that you may live. He says, seek me, and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. How do you seek God? In prayer and by reading the word. So these are all part of a prayer life of Jesus and you know the importance of prayer. Now, I want to get into 1 Thessalonians here. I have a little bit of time. Well, maybe I'll just go to Colossians chapter 1 since my time is kind of limited here. In Colossians 1.9, this is a prayer that Paul prayed, and he it's recorded in Scripture, and you can pray it too, and it's going to revolutionize your life to pray this. And I pray this often. I was praying this very early in the morning this morning. In Colossians 1.9, it says, For this cause, we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you. Oh, isn't that wonderful? Do not cease to pray for you. I, I wish I had a lot of you know, people doing that for me, not ceasing to pray for me. I thank God for all the ones that do pray for me. But here he is. He's, he's continually praying for these people. Every day, probably. For this cause, we also, since the day we heard of it, 
do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will, with all spiritual wisdom and understanding. In other words, to know that you know what the will of God is. Verse 10, that you might walk worthy of the Lord, to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. For he, Christ, delivered us from the domain of darkness or the authority of Satan and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, even the forgiveness of sins. We're not trying to get redeemed. We are redeemed. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles, that they might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. That's the Holy Spirit. Jesus told them, don't leave Jerusalem, tarry in Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. Well, I thought they were already saved. They were, because in John chapter 20, he walked into the room where the 12, uh, at that time, 11, 11 apostles were, and he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. That's John chapter 20. So they already had the Holy Spirit, but they weren't ready for ministry without the Holy Spirit coming upon them for ministry. And so in Acts 1.8, Jesus said, tarry in Jerusalem until you're endowed or empowered with the Holy Spirit from on high. And he told them that the Holy Spirit would come upon them and they would be his witnesses both in Judea and Samaria and even to the uttermost parts of the earth. In other words, they would be the messengers with the message, with the anointing and the power to bring salvation, healing, freedom from fear, freedom from bondage, freedom from addictions, freedom from sickness and disease. Himself bore our sicknesses and carried away our diseases. Matthew chapter 8. He himself bore our sicknesses and carried away our diseases. Read Isaiah 53 sometime and you'll see all about the redemptive work of Christ, how, what he accomplished. Surely he bore our sicknesses and carried away our diseases. And we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted but he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. Each one has turned to his own way, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. 
That's pretty great. It's pretty wonderful. Our awesome God delivering us spirit, soul, and body. So I want to go on here and uh, I want to just go on one more time here uh, or one more scripture here in, well, Thessalonians chapter 3. And uh, this is the prayer life of Paul. We're talking about the importance of prayer. Verse 9. This is Paul speaking, 1 Thessalonians 3, 9. For what thanks can we render to God again for you? Talking about, you know, talking to the Thessalonian church, the church at Thessaloniki. For what thanks can we render to God again for you for all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before our God? Night and day praying exceedingly. People look at Paul and say, how did he do all he did? How did he turn the world upside down? Here's the answer. Here's the secret. Night and day praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. One more here. 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Let's go back up in verse 16 here. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. He's exhorting them. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Quench not the spirit. Despise not prophesying. Examine all things carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. And then he gives into this, and then he goes on into this great verse on praying for their entire sanctification. And may the God of peace sanctify you entirely. And I pray, God, that your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved complete or blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calls you, and he also will bring it to pass. So God wants us healthy, whole, sound, well, joyful, thankful, full of gratitude, and full of life. Thank you for being with us today. I pray that you'll have a great day in Jesus, and I look forward to being with you next time on the Dynamics of Prayer series.